This episode of UK Low Carb Podcast is sponsored by Deliciously Guilt Free. Enjoy the show. What I have learned over the past two years has been magnificent. You know, it's, com- it's completely changed my life. Um, and so you're not going to die if you don't eat carbohydrates, but you will die if you don't eat fat and protein. The energy I have, the life I have that has changed so amazingly in a few years proves to me that what I'm eating is only doing me good. I, you know what? I'd love to meet them because um, they changed my life, basically. So I've lost now, I'm just a couple of, I'm about three pounds off losing five stone. Hello and welcome to UK Low Carb. This is your podcast, the podcast where we share the real life stories and experiences of people like you and me, people who follow the low carb or keto diet. So join me, Dan Grief, and my co-host each Friday to hear their story. And if you'd like to get involved, then please email me, dan at uklowcarb.com or join our growing Facebook group, UK Low Carb. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts so that we can get the message out about the amazing benefits of the low-carb and keto lifestyle. Now, this podcast is sponsored by my business, Deliciously Guilt Free. Just use the code PODCAST and you can have 20% off your order. On with the show! Hello, hello, and welcome to UK Low Carb, the podcast where we share individual stories to help build the low carb and keto community here in the UK and also around the world. I'm Dan Grief. I'm your host, and I believe that change comes from grassroots movements and that we, you, I, the listeners, people following the low carb lifestyle, we are the change we want to see in the world. And I really believe that pulling together, we can make that change. So today on this show, it's a lovely show because I'm joined by a long-time virtual friend who's Tia. Uh, you can find her on Instagram um, at t.z.. Um, t.z. and then D-O-T, okay, because I assume that's not very clear otherwise. And she's been on a very similar journey alongside uh, Delicious Guilt Free um, and Vesma and I for a number of years now. And one of the really important things about this show is that I get people on to share their story. So, you know, yes, you do get Dr. Ted Naiman. Um, you do get the Unwins. You do get, you know, professional people coming on here who are well-known. You get people like Pauline Cox and Graham Phillips who come on to do lessons and Nicola Howard to do coaching. You get the experts for sure on the show. But also, and the main focus, and this is really important, it's all about sharing the story of an individual just like you or I, who has embraced low-carb keto. And I'm not always looking, by the way, for the transformation, but rather, how do you live this life, this lifestyle, and how do you make sure it's there for you for the rest of your life? Because that's the challenge that we're all on. And and I think the term journey is kind of overused, but in this case, it really is about a journey. So Tia is going to share her story with me in a moment, but before I do, I have a review to share. So this review is left by Betts Corp uh, on Apple Podcasts. Sorry, I don't know your actual name. Unless that is your name, then fair enough. Um, but they have said the following. The, the title of the review is Two Keto Dudes and left it five stars. They say, wow, Dan, a fabulous show. Thanks. So great to hear the two dudes and dudette. Love the realism. 
be great to get another how to start from them again, as I think many have struggled in the pandemic. Yes, that's a really good point. So what that's referring to is how to start keto again and low carb, because uh, we talked on the show about that. Many of us have struggled. I gained weight during the pandemic. I think that my stress levels being higher, lack of sleep, um, you know, being next to a fridge all day long, the sort of carb creep starts up, but not even just carb creep, cheese, you know, <clears throat> you can overdo it on low carb as well. And I think that's a really good point. You know, maybe we could go into how to start the, you know, get into keto again. Anyway, they go on to say, great podcast as always, Dan. You get the best out of everyone with your relaxed style, but always asking the questions that is on everyone's lips. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I like to think of myself as a listener. So I'm on your side when I'm talking to those experts thinking, hmm, if I was listening to this podcast right now, I'd want to know X, Y, Z. And I don't know about you, but it annoys me a little bit when, okay, I'm on my soapbox here. It annoys me a little bit when you hear an interview and the interviewer is not really listening to the person talking and you can tell they've got their questions already pre-written and they're just going to ask those questions. And I think it's better to listen and then think, oh, what was that they just said? Let's explore that further. So yeah, thanks for that, BetScorp. And thank you for your review. Now, if you'd like to leave a review, then it would be really much appreciated by myself because it means that the algorithm gods pick up this podcast and they're able to then spread it to more people around the world, like a, a positive virus. So if you want to get this, uh, make this viral, I don't know why I went, went there, sorry. If you want to make this go viral, that'd be fantastic because we have actually recently looked at the figures and we've doubled in the last two months our listenership, which is crazy. So uh, I'm really excited to see all these, well, hit, f to look at the stats and know that you're all out there somewhere. Uh, thank you so much. And, and and actually, we looked at, Josh and I uh, looked at some figures as well. He's my assistant. And uh, we've got people in um, Asia, Africa, uh, Australasia, all over the world listening, which is just mind-blowing. Um, of course, as you'd expect, Europe and North America are the biggest audiences. Um, but, and even then, in Europe, non-English-speaking countries like France and Germany, uh, people are listening. So really exciting to see. But if you want to leave a review, it just helps get the podcast out further. So if you just go to Apple Podcasts, leave your review there. If you don't like this podcast, you're probably signed off by now, to be fair. But if you do like this podcast, you're still listening, it'd be much appreciated. And I will read it out on the show. Now, let's talk about Tia. So Tia runs a sustainable food business called Easy Tease Meals, easy.tz meals, uh, which is on um, Instagram. And this is, this is okay, I always, I always start every show saying this is a bit different because I guess every show is a bit different. But this is a bit different because many of my guests come on with a chronic health condition. Uh, you know, maybe they ha are carrying excess body weight, uh, body fat, sorry. Maybe they have a disease like type 2 diabetes or type 1 diabetes. Maybe they, you know, have different reasons as to why they have to reverse their health condition. Now, Tia is different. Tia's in her 20s, and she has learned through actually listening to Joe Rogan. You might have heard of him. He's got a small podcast. Um, he's, she's actually learned from his podcast through her partner that actually this is the way she thinks she should live for health forever. So that's really exciting to me to think that her generation and people in her generation might be embracing this way before they'd actually have any issues with their health. And then what's exciting is she's then sort of managed to help her mother on the same path as well. And that's how I've got to know them, because this, her and her family, is because um, they have been really keen supporters of my company, Deliciously Guilt Free, uh, for years. And um, and it's really lovely to have that connection with people where, you know, you're on the same journey together, you're checking in with each other now and again. She's a lovely, lovely person. And it was a great privilege to make this podcast. 
And uh, it's my gift to her to say, you know, I this is your podcast. If you want to share it, that's great because you've got a great story to tell. And uh, it's a real privilege making this with you. So this show is brilliant. I hope you enjoy it. Um, if you want to connect with her, just to go through her handle again, because it's not very obvious, at t.z.dot. Okay, tz. Anyway, um, so that's that. Anyway, have a great week, everyone, and I will see you next time. Take care. Over to Tia. Well, I'm really excited now to be joined by Tia. Now, I got to know Tia through Deliciously Guilt Free. She's someone who supported my business really from the early days. In fact, I'll ask her in a minute how she found out about us in the first place. Um, but she was there kind of, I think, from when we were at the kitchen table, uh, then through kind of the cafe years. Uh, or months or weeks, should I say, and also into the soft play time as well. So that would be great to have her on because actually the whole focus of this show is to get real people's stories and why they're into low carb uh, in the first place. So I thought it'd be good to share that story now. So hello, Tia. Welcome to UK Low Carb. Hello, hello. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm well, thank you. And I'm really pleased you're here today because um, some people come onto the show because they have to talk about, you know, why they're, they've gone low carb because of medical reasons. Maybe they've got a chronic condition, which is why they've had to kind of adopt a low carb lifestyle. But mm. what I love about your story, there isn't that in your background. Um, you are someone who has chosen this as a healthy option as a young person for the rest of your life. And I kind of, that makes me really excited to think that maybe there is a bit of a movement here where people in the future will be more likely to go low carb. So, um, yeah, I just want to go into your story today for May and find out about why you went low carb. So can you take us back to the beginnings of how you found out about low carb? Gosh, I think it was, I was trying to think about this the other day. I think it was a good three, four years ago where my other half was saying that he listened to Joe Rogan. And he's like, hey, I heard this doctor talking about, you know, where you have like fats for fuel and you don't have sugar and I sort of joke that might have been the beginning of me being essentially red pilled to how the nutrition world has ended up being where you sort yeah. of like, wait a second. Well, do you mean you don't just need this or oh, like, do you mean my... like in the matrix, the red pill moment? Is that what you're saying? Uh, just, yeah. Just sort of like poof, just mind blown yeah. of, Oh, there's more than one way of doing the thing. That's amazing. And like, I've always known for being like a cheese fiend and whenever I'd have desserts, there'd be probably half a gallon of double cream poured on it anyway. So I was like, well, this seems like something I could do. That makes sense. As I always say to people, I know I didn't need to lose weight. What, I'm about 5'1 and about 8 stone. I know that's not what I'm doing it for. Whereas actually what it really did help me out with, it's really cleared up my skin. It's helping me sort of balance my own hormones. And then I got into it more for my migraines. So, which was really interesting because I've never been as bad as my mum so far. But I think this has really helped sort of put a pause to it. I know you sort of have migraines and things as well. So I'm sure you completely yeah. understand the absolute yeah. pain of just trying to, you can't get comfortable. Everything hurts. You feel like you're going to be sick or actually be sick sometimes. Yeah. And you yeah. just got like your little like pills in the back corner, like just waiting to go. I was like, actually, let's look at the root cause. Let's see what we can stop here rather than just cover up the illness essentially. Well, what's interesting then, is you didn't know yeah. that you're going to heal migraine from doing low carb, though. That am I right in saying that that came yeah. later as a as a really positive bonus of going low carb? Yeah, as I started looking into it a little bit more and going, oh, okay, this helps with this, this helps with that. Um, I watched as well the Magic Pill. Did you ever watch that one? 
Uh, now, I think I know that. Is that the Netflix vegan kind of documentary? Is that no, the one or is that, not, am I getting it mixed up with another one? Luckily, not that one. The Magic Pill is the one with um, Pete Evans. He's quite controversial. But okay. um, his whole thing is, yeah, sharing all these people being healed through a ketogenic diet. You know, these kids with autism oh, who they were mutant. No, what no, I watched no, was no. definitely the other way around. It was more like, you know, veganism good, uh, meat bad, uh, causes all the problems, yeah. and there's pus in milk and all these kind of weird uh, claims they made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so this one's more focused on low carb. And Oh, hang on a minute. I do mm. know which one this is. Is this where they have the little girl who's autistic and yes. she's really, like, uh, fixated on eating kind of beige food? Yeah, like the little like, fish snacks. and Yeah, that was it. And then he, man- he the dad manages to kind of bring about the change and say, look, we're going to change her diet. And then she has a huge turnaround, doesn't she? Yeah, which is just incredible. And, yeah, my family have always been foodies and feeders. Like, my mum had her in catering when she was a bit younger as well and, like, just all of this. So just sort of seeing how food really heals people and then getting into it more when I've obviously been a chef and just seeing the looks of joy in people's faces when they have food and then just going, oh, yeah, again. So I'd be doing with these long kitchen shifts. And one of my first times at college, I thought I was going to pass out because it's a sugar crash, isn't it? Like not used to being on my feet for over three hours without eating anything at that time sort of thing. It was horrendous, whereas actually yesterday I was feeling a bit rough and I don't think I actually ate anything. And that was just so weird for me. Weird, and then, so weird you didn't eat or weird that... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and See, then like I wasn't hangry or yeah. anything so, like that. So Okay, so you're a chef and I find that interesting because of course I'm a baker. So I know what kitchens can be like. Although I've kind of come at it as a happy amateur who's like managed to <laughs> set up his own business, been it? But, you know, but I kind of learned that the hard way, especially in the summer... You're next to kind of hot ovens. It's really, really draining work. But any kind of chef job is really intense, isn't it? So you're on your feet yeah. all day. Um, people sort of think you're just cooking the food, but the prep must be as long as the, the actual shift is of cooking sometimes. There's a lot of prep involved, isn't there? And oh, yeah. I don't imagine, I could be wrong, I don't imagine chefs are the healthiest of, of people, really. They don't seem that healthy, <laughs> their lifestyle. So, okay, so can you describe to me what life was like before, for instance, you found out about low-carb? And, you know, you you said about like eating every few hours. Was that something that you were doing when you were a chef? Oh, well, constantly sort of grazing anyway. You like, you know, I'd hide my fridge, like my head in the fridge and just munch. Weirdly enough, um, I worked at a pie place. So I'd be munching on like brisket and things smothered <laughs> okay. in gravy. And Ooh, yeah, like, sounds good. just like, oh, it was really good. And like pie fillings and roast potatoes and just bread. Uh, I did a little bit of work experience at a place one time and I think I gained about a stone in six weeks because I was just eating the focaccia trimmings. It wouldn't surprise me. Like it was, yeah, just from all the bread trimmings and just from all the chips that they had because I didn't eat anything else. You don't have time. Like you don't go, I'm just popping off my lunch break. I'll see you in like half an hour because you don't get that chance because people don't let up. And then, so at my first job where I went really, like where I was actually full time, I just turned like 20, 21 and I was running this kitchen. I was doing like 30 days in a row, like all freaking day. You don't have time to look after yourself. You're so busy making sure the kitchen's running smoothly. And then 
working at a brewery as well, you'll get a couple of pints at the end of the night and you'll go off to one of the other so locations. The, the liquid and... bread as well as like the other pastries and stuff. You, If you work in a yeah. pie place, you're surely eating the pastry as well, right? I mean, yeah. doing that job, I would have done. I mean, before yeah. I knew about low carb, I'd have been all over that. In fact, for me, I've never really missed the sweet stuff apart from at Christmas. There's like a, mm. a bit of a thing I have about mince pies and Christmas pudding that around Christmas is yes. like memory connected. But yeah. If I can make a low-carb version of, like, you know, a, a cheese turnover with a nice puff pastry and, like, yeah. bacon and cheese in the middle of that, oof, then you've got me. Mm. In fact, I'm, I'm really glad it's not illegal because I'll probably have a dealer around the corner. <laughs> Some guy in a trench coat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, I just go to the petrol station and just avoid that whole area thinking it's not worth it, it's not worth it. Are you here for petrol? Yeah. Yes, that's all I want. It's just petrol. Let me go. Okay, so why are you getting all funny? <laughs> yeah, just, just go. I like some chewing gum. <laughs> so, this is fine. This is fine. But... <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. I don't be to a happy place. So, anyway, so, so in that environment, it must be really unhealthy. And oh, my good, yeah. Can, can I ask about the other chefs? Like the ones who, because you're, you're really young now, if you don't mind me saying, compared to yeah. me. I see is very young. So, um, so, so in that case, the chefs who are kind of like my age and up, what kind of health are they in? Um, rotund is a word I could use. <laughs> um, not to their face. I might have, to be honest. Like, really? Okay. Turns it out depends. Like on, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get thick skin. Sweaty is another word. I know that sounds really weird, but like trying out with all this kitchen stuff and doing this and that it just they don't have the physical capability to carry on catching up with it if that yeah, makes sense yeah, yeah so I although you're on your mean. feet for this entire time you're not looking at after yourself and half of them would be on like drugs or alcohols like alcoholics anyway so really? and yes so so their yeah. life is such an extreme full-on experience that they're actually medicating themselves with booze and drugs to try and get through it oh yeah that's oh, not yeah, really definitely. a long-term career, is it, in that term? In that way? I mean, obviously it is, but I mean, if you're doing it that way, that must be yeah. pretty dangerous that after a while you must get to kind of like your 50s, 60s, and your body is really feeling it by that point. And the type 2 diabetes is probably not far away for a lot of them. Uh, the other chronic diseases, you know, cancer maybe. It's, it's yeah. a horrible thought, isn't it? Yeah, and even just with mental health as well, like it's so prevalent in hospitality as well again because you're doing all these days you're not getting time off to see your friends and family you're trying to like burn the candle at both ends so it's just all sorts of things that are coming together so the last thing you want to do is go i'm going to look after my health and i'm going to have something healthy for dinner not i'm getting a kebab again like let me just order in a pizza because i'm not going to have time to do anything else before i've got to wake up and do this all over again for the next 14 hours chef say that um apparently that's quite common isn't it i knew a chef in the ref and he said he'd always have a mcdonald's on christmas day because he was cooking christmas meals all day long and mm. he just literally at the end of it didn't want to look at the food he was just so yeah. fed up with turkey and whatnot so he'd just go for something completely different and he said you know what it sounds really bad but that's the best meal he could have had because it was just different to what he was doing and he didn't have to cook it himself it's sad thought that though isn't it like you're, you're yeah. so like your christmas and everything is ruined because of this job um, although there must be a lot of happy chefs, I'm not saying there aren't, but yeah. you know, it's not it's not a very healthy job in some ways. And I guess if you were doing that for like, you know, decades and decades without changing your ways and you only put on, you know, a stone only put on, if you put a stone on in six weeks, you're probably looking at a life where that's more likely to be a problem over years and years and years, aren't you? Yeah. So I'm sort of glad I've got out of it 
that way obviously I'm still doing food and stuff with like my own business but I'm a lot yeah. more in control of like my hours and like <laughs> I was gonna say the only person I could really get annoyed is, is myself and I've got the time to be able to cook yeah. like better yeah. meals for myself and even like I said some of the options that I do for my meals are low carb anyway so yeah. my mum and my sister who do the low carb will also order these options and there's other people that also order it as well like I had some customers one time like I'd never met them before, obviously. Yeah, that's how customers happen. And then they all do like, yeah, we've heard about this keto thing. And I was like, oh my goodness. So that was quite nice to be able to sort of connect with some people on that and just having other people sort of ask like, oh, what's this mean? Like, what's that? And I've joked with people before going, it's real food. Like, you don't need to be afraid. <laughs> it's just real food. Yeah, yeah. So I think people fact, are a bit more like, real than what you might be eating. You might be yeah. eating processed rubbish and thinking that's real food, but it's not. It's actually much more true to what its actual, uh, you know, source of origin is in the first place with keto. So Tia, I just want to talk then about the beginning of your stories again because you said that you learnt all about this from Joe Rogan through your partner and about you know this moment. And I think it's so true where a bit like the red pill moment in the Matrix, you described it as you suddenly realise, hang on a minute the paradigm's wrong. The way that people describe health and nutrition is probably not the way it really works. And it's different for you. Although what I love was you didn't actually have a chronic condition you're trying to cure. It was just you and your health. And you just decided this is probably the best way to eat for you. So um, tell me then the story now. Like, Are people around your age in your 20s more aware of keto and low carb? Do you, do you think than older generations? Is it becoming something a bit more well known? Um. I think more so maybe with the people that I know only because obviously I've spoken about it and then I was not really my generation, but like say like my mum, for example. So she's just turned 50 and she's been doing this with me for the past couple of years and she'll tell people about it and she'll be like, you could do this, you can do that. Um, as I said, she's a bit loosey goosey in the sense of, I wouldn't say keto at all. As I said, she's like, pom bears is only 13 grams of carbs. And I'm like, mum, A for effort. <laughs> but like... A for effort, but no. Yeah, I appreciate what you're doing, but yeah, <laughs> I love that. Her birthday is literally just recently, like the last yeah. weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, so Friday. Was yeah, Friday birthday. last week. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, we did the birthday cake. Excellent. You did. So you've converted her, and did you say your sister as well? Yeah, my sister as well, which is quite funny. She really notices if she starts to up her carbs, like her. Because again, she's a little bit taller than me, but like she's a Pilates teacher, so she's active. She's got a four-year-old, so obviously she's got to run after her. Yeah. So neither of our things, yeah, (laughs) neither of our things have been for chronic conditions. My mum has been a bit more for migraines, and then it just happened to be weight loss, which was like really impressive. And yeah, as she's sort of spoken about it to other people, there have been a couple of her customers at the cafe who have just sort of said, yeah, I've just gotten into this. So I've ended up making salami chips for them just because I had some in the fridge and then wow, everyone else got obsessed about it. Yeah, it was great. I was trying to sneak some as well. Yeah, <laughs> just perks. Again, that's what you got to do. <laughs> At least it's healthier food now than uh, pastry yeah. and gravy, I suppose, isn't it? Definitely. So yeah. we're going to come on to your business, actually. But how was it you found about Deliciously Guilt Free? Because that's how I got to know you. And yeah. uh, it's been a few years now, hasn't it? So when did you first come across us? But I looked at this the other day. I was just wondering myself. I was like, how long has it been? I put my first order in, like, I think it was like mid or early 2019. Right. Okay. Yeah. I remember that year well. So I was still at home <laughs> then. 
Yeah. So I was baking yeah. at home at night. So, okay, my son was born today, three years ago. So we're recording this on the oh. 16th of November. And um, it's so weird, actually, because um, I'm sorry, listeners, I kind of appreciate this is a bit of a different kind of a podcast in some ways, but it's nice to get our memory lane. Um, I remember clearly, like in 2018, at that point, we had so few orders a week. I mean, I was teaching in a school during the day in a special needs school. Um, and then I'd be going out, you know, back in the evening to put my daughter to bed and whatnot. And then uh, I remember when Noah was born, we then had to uh, like bake up more the week before because it, like, it was a cesarean section. We knew the date. So we had to like bake up loads more the week before. So we had that covered. And then mm. I'd come home each day from the hospital because we were in for a few days, um, go and get the orders, post them out, then go back to hospital and then like, you know, be with a little, little one and Bessmer again. And then like, yeah. I remember through that winter into 2019, uh, yeah, baking at night, doing the night feeds with him. Um, in fact, during the like the spring and the summer, I'd even bake with him on my back in the sling. So I'd actually be like, <laughs> so you know, he, he'd be asleep on my back, very happy, and there'd be me like working away. Yeah. And I think, if I'm right, the 2019 summer was really, really hot, wasn't it? I think 2018 was really hot as well. They were like scorching summers. I'm sure we had the hottest day in Cambridge sorry, in the whole UK, was in Cambridge that 2019 summer. And I remember wow. that just sweltering and mm. um, at home baking with this little baby to look after and thinking, like, this is really hard. But, yeah, so it's a weird <laughs> kind of time. And I look to the kitchens now and I think, wow, what, we've really come a long way in that time. So, yeah, so you, so you found out about us back then. So how did you find out about DGF? I think just through Instagram. Like, I don't know if I just saw it, like, posted somewhere and I thought, because I would have still been – pretty early into my journey as such as well or like what a year or two in and like I'd always try and bake stuff at home myself and again it's also sort of like it's all right but sometimes just uh, you've now pretty much got like the expertise and you've you've done this a little while well, now pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. that's a bit rude <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no you're right and if you focus like, and concentrate on something you get good at it doing it don't you so yeah. if you become specialized in it then it makes it easier for other people just to buy it rather than learning that themselves i guess yeah and just like i said it's just like small businesses and stuff as well i'm like i like this this is a small business that at the time that is doing like the sort of cakes that i would enjoy let's give this a bash. And I think I've pretty much been hooked ever since. So uh, well, <laughs> well done. <thank laughs> you, it's very, very much appreciated. I love that. So let's talk now about your food business because uh, the lockdown was a big change for me and my business, but actually the lockdown also had a big impact on you and your business, didn't it? So what were you doing before the lockdown? And then when the lockdown started, can you talk about the story then and how things changed? Yeah. So um Oh, just as a sort of general overview, I've been in hospitality for about eight, nine years now. Um, during the start of the lockdown, I remember literally we all got like the was it the message on the TV from Bojo saying all oh, hospitality's got to shut down. I remember I had to close the um, the deli that I was working at that evening because it was a hotel as well. And me and the managers were talking about the contingency plans of who's going to stay overnight and then who's going to stay whilst we're closed for however long this is going to be. And, you know, you had some of the staff in tears because they didn't know what was going on yeah. and everything was just so up in the air. So during that time, I'd been there. I'd been front of house supervisor there. I'd been there for three years. And within the first month, as per usual, my mum always had a cunning plan. So we'd worked with Fair Share before. They're a food surplus company. So they get food from like Tesco's and just loads of other shops and restaurants and things. 
and she was like, oh, do you mind giving me a hand? We're going to be making food parcels for people. So like frontline workers, people who are isolating. At the minute, it's only going to be for 11 people. That's all I've got in. I was like, yeah, sure, that's fine. You know, this is a great way to see my mum, great way to be productive because I think me being stuck home was just, I was getting stir crazy. I was like, why can't we just like make food where I was working and sell it? And why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? And and just like by, that, by of interest, what was your mum doing? Does she have a cafe or like a restaurant or something? Uh, yeah, so board game cafe. So she yeah. had to close obviously as well. And for her, it was very difficult because a lot of her team because she's a community interest company, um, have a lot of barriers. So maybe like on the spectrum or anxiety, depression, all things like that. So for her, everything was a lot more up in the air because she didn't know how her team would be coping. Yeah, I imagine. Um, it's a real duty of care to her staff and to the team. If they've, Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, so this also helped her be like, actually, she can help her team. By yeah. we were going around whilst we were doing these meal deliveries, pretty much doing wellness checks. It'd probably take us two hours to do all of our deliveries just because you'd be sat on the doorstep for 15, 20 minutes asking these people how they are because you're the first yeah. person they've seen outside their household for like the week and yeah, just making sure that everyone's okay if they needed anything, if they knew anyone that needed an extra boost. So then the 18 weeks of me and my mum doing this together we ended up doing over 3,000 meals in total. Wow. Which was so a lot how does of fun. Work, how does it work with Fair Share? Do they, do they just literally drop off anything? So they might say, you know, this is what we've had donated from the different places. And actually these shops, by the way, they donate things that are near their best before date, but they're not past the best before date, are they? Not even um, always that either. Like some things really. will still have months on them, yeah. Like, it's weird, isn't it? The supermarket model is incredibly wasteful. So thank goodness... Mm. There's there's charities like Fair Share and then you guys who are actually using that to help the community. So okay, so yeah. the food comes through. Do you get much choice on what they send to you? Uh, so I set up a food profile with them when I first decided to take the venture one for myself. Uh-huh. So yeah, after everything was starting to open back up, I was like, this is a lot of fun. I'm going to carry this on. And then eventually, after like a month of me doing that and my business, like and working, sorry, I quit my job. And then start doing this full time, and now working part time here because you know okay, I don't want so to. So you're at the cafe now. So I'm just yeah. see behind you. You're actually in the cafe. Is that load of board games and stuff you've got there? This um, is just some board games. This I is one it. section. So this cafe is a okay. real community focus, isn't it? It's not just the yeah. you don't just pop in, get your drink, and go again. You want to go and yeah. stay and meet people there. Yeah, and you know we offer, they offer volunteer um sort of experience so they'll give people qualifications when they can so yeah like just training i end up doing coffee training with people as well train people in the kitchen and that's pretty oh, wow. similar to what i do anyway so the guys that i've got downstairs at the minute just having their lunch like i'll be like they'll be helping me prep today for all the meals that we've got on and Fantastic. they've both now got their level two food qualification thanks to their donations and things that i've received that's so, lovely. Really so, nice. Excellent. Yeah. So they're getting training. It helps them in their future careers to get into it. Um, the only thing is you have to give them the advice as how to be healthy in the kitchen, you know, <laughs> not to have the excessive carb intake <laughs> and the stressful hours and certainly not yeah. narcotics or alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> you don't do that stuff. Okay, that's good. Okay. Yeah. So in that case then, when when the pandemic hit, you said about eleven people. Um you said about how many meals? Was it three thousand <laughs> meals? But how yes. many people do you think you had an impact on in the time of the, the pandemic lockdowns that happened? Oh, I can't 
I can't remember. It was a good, I want to say f- over 400, I want to say. My mum ended up getting wow. the stats all done, which was incredible. So, yeah, it started off as like 11 people in like the first week or so. And then by the last week, we were going around to like just under 50 households in like one evening. And my dad was going off to Portsmouth from like Southampton just to deliver some food parcels and yeah. all family affair, obviously, which That's was great really as well because that was our little social hub. And yeah. Just. And it gives you purpose as well. I think, yeah. you know what, when you're going through any life experience like that, like, a, you know, something, something dark and a bit scary, which that pandemic was, and certainly the yeah. beginning, it was the unknown, wasn't it? It's weird how soon you get used to it. And, you know, you get told about a future lockdown, you go, I hate them, but I kind of know what I'm doing now. The first one was like, what is this all about? So I think having a focus so that you can put your efforts into something really really helps you get through and pulls you together doesn't it and it's almost yeah. i know they talked about the blitz spirit to death at the time and it was you know a little bit almost like nauseating after a while you're like okay we're just getting through this but actually there was a big element of that I, I think that's true i think there's a feeling of pulling together we can get through this in some way and exactly that so the amount of people i ended up meeting just through doing this was insane and just seeing all of the community sort of come together to as i sort of say well, everyone was all upset that the government weren't doing anything. So it's almost like from what I noticed around Southampton, just like, well, screw that. We're a community. We know all these contacts. It was lots of the churches coming together yeah. who like were like, yeah, we can do this. They were feeding over like a hundred odd people a day with food bags. And like a lot of those are still going now. So, but again, You know what? You just tapped into something that was really big for me. So I, I think, okay, I think in, if you're in a different country right now, it'd be really interesting to know what your view on this is. But I think in our country, in the UK, we sometimes look to the government a lot for a lot of stuff. Now, yeah. I think that's a good thing. You know, the NHS is wonderful. Our roads are, you know, need to be repaired and the government <laughs> does all that stuff. You know, the, there's, there's stuff that clearly the government does invest in that makes a big difference in our lives. But... I believe that civic society, the sort of level where it's just like us, you know, organizing together in our communities to do stuff together is really important. And I think that, you know, certainly in the past, people would have belonged to the more of those civic societies, not necessarily just religious ones, but a lot of people went to church or other, you know, whatever religion you might be to their to their place of worship. But also you'd have had clubs and things that people were part of more. And I, I worry yeah. a little bit that civic society takes a bit of a knocking these days because, I mean, even going to a pub is, a, you know, a communal event, isn't it? And being with your friends and knowing the same people in your area, maybe you grew up with them or maybe you're new to the area, it's how to meet them. And I just worry that sometimes a lot of our communities are a bit isolated now and people move a lot they change their locations they've got tvs they've got the internet they've got all the entertainment they want and actually a big part of being a human being you know we talk about food nutrition all the time but actually civic society and the connection with each other in your area is a really important thing isn't it and that pandemic highlighted how that works beautifully when it's needed but it'd be good to get more people in that all the time i think yeah no definitely like and yeah even so like again with like here so with just like my little business, we've all ended up as like our own little community. So we all ended up going clubbing the other day, me and my little team. So it's myself, uh, one of my volunteers, um, my mum, my sister, one of my other volunteers who's 72. Love it. Uh, she was great. Uh, my favourite thing. on the dance floor. Yeah, just all of us just went out because we'd all made our little community together just from doing what we do with like making all these meals for us and like, it was always like age had no barrier. It's, 
Oh in yeah, that, and I in agree that sense that. of like, yeah. I agree with that. I, but, I think age is a very kind of weird concept in a way. You know, once you're past the age of like twenty odd, you kind of you, you you might have more or less experience. You might be older or younger yeah. with more or less experience. But actually, I think it's like you're just an individual at that point. And I think yeah. you know, ageism is very real, unfortunately, and uh, it's used against people. So tell us about your business then, because now we're kind of coming to that part of the story. So tell us the name of your business. What is it you do, and the sort of impact you have on people's lives. So it's easy teasy meals. So, you know, like easy peasy. My family call me teasy because it's Tia. And I create meals using surplus food. So I try and cater for as many people as I can anyway. So I've got as your sort of standard diet, as I'm just going to put it like that, um, your vegan option and a low carb option, Mm -hmm. which has been really great as well. Because, yeah, a lot of people will go, oh, that option or, oh, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try that. And it's really nice to see all these people going, I never would have tried this if like you didn't make it or I wouldn't have tried this way of eating or just, oh, it's so nice to just know I've got dinner in the fridge. And I've tried to keep it on a low cost basis as well, because it's not about, as I said, being like Jeff Bezos or whatever. I'm not here to make big money. (laughs) Yeah. I, I like I'm more profit for purpose is what we're sort of talking about. So is going to be reinvesting that to go back into training for my volunteers or go into getting more food for people, donating meals to people. So we've ended up donating a couple of meals actually in the past few weeks to some people who haven't been looking after themselves. Um, one of the people who I've been donating meals to, I've said to him, I was like, I'm going to donate these meals to you. I'm going to donate the low carb ones to you because mm-hmm. he's saying that he's not getting enough veggies at home. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's still going to be food. You're just going to get more vegetables with it. Yeah, yeah. And he's been so really let's talk about that. It. What what are you cooking? What are the low carb recipes you're coming up with, Tia? Can you tell us what sort of thing to expect this week or last week when you're cooking them? So this week I'm really excited. I got like a whole brisket, which essentially just looks like someone severed my leg off. <laughs> uh, it's it's unnecessary. You're good at, at selling it to me. Uh, I don't think I fancy it anymore. I don't feel I think I fancy human leg. <laughs> if it helps, well, it's gonna be really tasty. It. So that's going to be um, the mustard stew and that's going to have mixed veg mash. So then, Lovely. you know, depending on the sort of veg that I've got. So I've got like some cauliflower, I've got like some carrots and butternut squash, a bit of swede, depending on what I end up sort of throwing in there. I've got a uh, bacon wrapped chicken breast. Oh, lovely. For this week Absolutely as well. I love that. Why does that yeah. combination go together so flipping well? Chicken and bacon is such a good combination, isn't it? You can do so yes. much with it and it really works. Like the drier chicken can be really kept nice and moist by the fatty mm. bacon around it and the salty bacon with a more blander flavor. Oh, it just works so well. Okay. I know North, yeah. I know Southampton's not really close and Northampton's a lot closer, but Southampton's really far away from us. So yeah. uh, I want to come now this <laughs> afternoon because I, I want to try this. Uh, I might even try your severed leg. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So you do the bacon and wrapped around the chicken. What other sort of meals do you yeah. do? Um, this week I've got a uh, chicken Kiev inspired dinner. So like okay. for other people, I've got that. So it's like a creamy garlic. Uh, I've got camembert as well that I'm going to throw in for like the sauce, dice up some chicken. Ooh, I've got that with courgettes, leeks and pasta for those that way inclined or cabbage for the low carb option. 
there you go that's perfect yeah. example there isn't it so if you go low carb you're not or, or keto or whatever you're not going down a really extremist route yeah you're kind of having the same meal that everyone else is having if it's real food and then you're just not having the pasta with it and that's the thing you know the cabbage is is equally as good i know mm-hmm. katie Daisy talks about this and she talks about how she shreds up uh cabbage and her family have got an Italian restaurant, so you know, big pasta eaters in the past. Yeah. But now they use cabbage instead, and it just—it all you need really is something to soak up the flavour and the sauce, don't you? Yeah, like as I said, just those little things. Where again, when people go, oh, "How could you not have the pasta?" and I'm like, "I'm getting the best parts of my dinner. I'm having the meat and the cheese. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Why are you having the pasta? Like, yeah. That's just wasted calories on something more like when I have more delicious food." Yeah, completely agree. Uh, and actually, it will also make you hungry sooner because of the insulin response and all the things happening. So I'd rather yeah. be filled up for longer with more of the good food than hungry later and eating more kind of bread and pasta and other stuff to fill me up again, which is what exactly what they're doing. Um, yeah. You know what? It, it kind of makes me think, though. So I used to work in a homeless shelter briefly, mm. and this is in Westminster in London. Um, I was there for a few months, uh, like volunteering. And what I noticed was really sad is that I remember this one guy coming through and he said, oh, he's trying to lose weight. And I kind of thought like I was a bit shocked at the time. That's my naivety that someone who's homeless would worry about something like that. Now, of course, I realize, of course, he does. He's a person like anyone else. He doesn't want to be unhealthy. Uh, Why wouldn't he worry about that? Um, And then this nun spoke to me and she said, oh, I feel sorry for them and they want to lose weight because on the streets, all they eat is stodge all the time. And I thought... I didn't, I didn't understand back then, by the way, I was only like in my early 20s, I didn't understand why stodge, why carbs were a problem. But yeah. then I kind of pieced it together and I realized over the next few months that, you know, the only food that we would get donated to us really would be sandwiches from big sandwich shops and supermarkets. They'd get rid of them yeah. because they're like, you know, especially these ones that have a made on the same day promise, they got rid of them at the end of the day. So they'd be donated yeah. to us. It was actually quite rare to get meat donations and stuff. So they'd have a cooked breakfast option um, and they could have eggs and things like that as well. But the rest of the time it was, you know, porridge and sandwiches and and carbs are cheap, aren't they? So they get donated because they're just cheap food. And so I kind of realized now these homeless people were eating this all the time, putting weight on because why wouldn't they? Like most people yeah. respond in that way and they want to get healthy and they're always hungry all the time as well. And I just thought, I think that, that what I love about your business is that you're helping people with their surplus food. So you're reusing something that's going to be thrown away in the first place and it's perfectly good food, but also yeah. you're giving them healthy options, really healthy options to get yeah. vegetables and the, and the healthy fats, which is fantastic. Yeah, and I think it's a time thing as well, isn't it? So like you said, when you like these homeless people have a sandwich, you're gonna pick that up and eat it within like ten minutes. Porridge. What people I don't I never understood why people do it with hot water. I always thought that was weird. But like you just do that, you'd munch on it. It's just fuel. You're not thinking about what you're putting into your body or yeah. if how it's gonna make you feel really, apart from just full. That's the state that yeah. I need to be in. Tempor- temporarily full. And there's no protein yeah. or very, very little protein, Protein, shall I say. So, you know, the, Ted Naiman talks about that on the podcast when he came on, that if you're not getting mm. much protein in your diet, then your body is literally seeking out protein in all its meals. And if it's not getting the protein, then you overeat to try and get more and more of it. So you're eating low-protein food. You eat loads yeah. of it just to try and get some protein. But if you eat high-protein foods, your body gets satiated quicker and you, you lose the desire to eat so much, which is incredible yeah. when you think about it, but it makes sense because your body's evolved to to try and find what it needs, doesn't it? 
Yeah, which I think me and my boyfriend had spoken about this before. I can't remember who it would have been, but pretty much don't you hear people like shipwrecked and they end up going for like the fish brains and like the eyes and just like essentially all of the guts because they're like your body knows that's where like the nutrients and things would be. So yeah, it's like yeah. your your mind is a bit like disgusted, but your body's like, no, no, you're going to need this sustenance to be able to yeah. survive for us. You're not going to make it. That's why you're going to be craving it right now. Oh, definitely. And it's interesting. Yeah. The body's drive to survive is massive and we should never mm -hmm. underestimate that. And that's why we mess it up because we do eat the wrong food for our bodies. And then we kind of, you know, ultra processed food by definition is also lower in protein because it's more expensive to make. Uh, it tends to go off. Uh, like fiber yeah. as well and so for that reason if you can just whack it full of carbs and sugar uh, and then feed mm -hmm. people that instead then they're going to enjoy the flavor of it and at the same yeah. time you don't really have to worry about putting too much nutrition in it because it's everyone knows it's going to be just something to fill you up so i agree i agree with you on that one i think people yeah. do fill themselves up too much so okay in that case here you've had an amazing kind of almost two-year journey now of really changing your career but also taking the best parts of your career the fact you're a chef and you're so good at food production you're now helping people in need in your area so what's your next set of dreams and where's your where's your journey going what's your plan and um how is it you want to kind of you know have you got any plans to make this bigger or reach more people so i would love to start doing more like food classes so teaching people how to cook so I remember years ago, before I'd even start doing anything like this, I turned up to my friend's house. Um, we were in the same year at college when we both started catering. He opened the fridge and he's like, cool, I know what I'm making for dinner. And I was like, how the bloody hell did you do that? You just looked in the fridge. You've not planned anything. Like That just really was like, whoa. And I, <laughs> I want to give people that confidence to be able to like open their fridge and go, cool, I can make dinner. Because yeah, not a lot yeah. of people have that. And I can't remember what it was on, but there was that eat well for less program. And there was a mum and like her mum, they were, they learned how to make a basic tomato sauce. And like the mum was in tears because she was like, I've never done this before. And I think I've been so lucky with my family who again, have always been like foodie and feeders. And I've been cooking since like the age of like 11 that when people turn around to me and go, I don't know how to do that. I'm like, no, but you, you could like, you, yeah. I can teach you or that it's so much easier than you think just to try and think of like basic things that you can put together and go, yeah, that works. Yeah. So that would be, you, you know, yeah. You know what I find interesting as well is that I think, you know, if you can't cook, then you are very mm. much vulnerable to what somebody else is making for you. So, you know, let's just put it into context. So, you know, if your mum mm. or you or your dad or your sister is cooking a meal for the rest of your family, you can guarantee it's made out of love yeah. for your health. And so that's food that you know you can trust. If you're eating food, though, from a company, and that food company doesn't have your best interest at heart because maybe for them it's a profiteering company and they don't really think about what's going in the food, and you're depending yeah. on them to feed you, you better really hope that they've done a good job because quite often they wouldn't have done. They would have cut corners and they won't even eat it themselves. So a story I've shared before yeah. on this podcast <laughs> There's a guy here in Cambridge I know who was telling me how he was doing some consultancy work in the States for a, mm. a big manufacturer. And they made these like, you know, like Twinkies. It's a bit like that. Some sort yeah. of 
bar or some sort of food in a packet you know that you buy and apparently um he went around to this lady's house uh who he got to know really well and was just having dinner with her and her family and apparently one of the boys in this family went to go to the cupboard and took out one of these um bars from the company which the lady worked for and she said no put it down that's not food so the lady for the company wouldn't eat it now, and that tells yeah. you everything you need to know, doesn't it? Because they know it's not real food. So if you can't cook, then you really are very much limited in what you can put in your body and know it's healthy. And I think teaching cooking is an essential skill. And I think yeah. we need to know how to cook, how to you know be confident in the kitchen with different ingredients, how to experiment, because that's the only way really you're going to have a healthy life is by knowing what real food you're eating. Yeah. And like you said, just being able to have real food and not just like what going to Iceland and pick up a meal for a quid. Not uh, don't get me wrong, back in the day there what Greg's like sausage rolls that you could get in Iceland, that was like a j- game changer at one point in my life. But like that's why again for what I do, I try and make meals at a lower cost. So you can get six of my meals for thirteen pound fifty. Wow, that's really good. So really it's still good. like yeah, so it's that's what I'm trying to do. It's sort of like real food at a decent cost. So, and then if you can't afford it, we've got some donation money. We can like donate some meals to you, like just making sure that people can eat. I think yeah. it's just a yeah. scary thing. And again, yeah. like you said, with the real food thing, I remember um, one of my friends telling me his nan worked at a uh, famous cake company in well, that we all sort of know that would do apple pies and things like that. And his mm-hmm. nan would go, don't eat any of these. And you sort of go, what? Why? And like, you just never know why. And you're like, this is meant to be food, isn't it? Why mm. Why are we so addicted to these things? Because you are, aren't mm-hmm. you? Like, you yeah, will yeah. just keep craving them. And you're like, I don't know what's in these. I can't pronounce half the ingredients on this list. Yeah, well, it's made on purpose. Shoving it in my body reason, and it? I'm going to be fine. <laughs> It's made for that reason, you know, it's got preservatives in it to make sure that it lives on a shelf at ambient temperature for like months and months and months and months. Uh, You know, it has chemicals in there to make your brain uh, kind of really ecstatically happy when it's eating those different points. Uh, So the bliss point is to make your brain really ecstatically happy. So the right amount of salt, sugar, uh, carbs and fats and stuff in the right combination will make you addicted to it. And that's what they do on purpose. And that's why I think actually, you know, the food industry, people look at it as being like one massive great thing and it's all corporate, but it's really not. So you've got companies like ours where we're actually making the food that we eat and we know is good because we are actually making it for our families initially. I mean, you didn't learn to cook just in a kitchen. You didn't know anything beforehand. You you said your family is a foodie family, so you've learned from your parents. You've learned good meals around the table. And that's the same principles you're taking into your business. And for me and my family, the same thing. I was baking these cakes for Bessemer and my unborn children because I want to make sure that you know, they don't have gestational, yeah. gestational diabetes and, and all the problems associated with it. So we're trying to manage their blood sugar. And so when you've got the basis of someone's making it out of love and care and attention to food, because actually that's the other thing. Being a human being, food is an essential part of that experience. It's something we share. It's something that we bring family together around. So if people really want to do it in a way that's loving and caring. It's communal. It's family-based. And that's what we're trying to do in our businesses. And I think the big food, on the other hand, you know, probably avoid because it's it's lost its motive. It might start off well, 
But now yeah. I think it's based on the profit margin and trying to get the ingredients as cheap as possible and quite often unethically as well. You know, I don't think if you look at chocolate making, for instance, the people who are actually farming the cocoa beans probably get very little. So all those factors yeah. go into, I think, ethical food or unethical food and if it's healthy food or unhealthy food. And I think we should be aware of those. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting as well with when you're buying things from the shop. So that's sort of like organic and then it's free range and then it's like this. And it's like sometimes you just need to start off with the basic of just getting the food into your body before you then maybe even start jumping to 11 with organic and like, I don't know, raised like by some blind monk's bare hands sort of thing. I think people... (laughs) panic too much on the emphasis of if I'm going to eat healthily, I'm going to have to go do this and I can only get it from like three miles away and down the road. It's like, just start with real food and then maybe look into stuff like that. Uh, And even just the little things. So when I go around like the shop and I'm like, oh, here's like some lamb and you're like, wow, that's come from like New Zealand. And you're like, that's just so far away. And again, go back to But like we've got so much good food in the UK that we're wasting. And I was listening to something the other day where it's we only grow about 12 to 15 percent of the fruit that the UK have. Like we import the rest of it in and like 50 percent of the veg. You think surely we could get so much more. Yeah. Well, it's seasonal as well. We've got a mad system, unfortunately, where we're eating strawberries and asparagus in November, December. And, you know, we're eating all those root vegetables all year round, which, you know, I I remember going back just a generation where, you know, they had new potatoes then they had the spuds. And then they kind of got to the March time where they were running out of potatoes because the next crop was going to come through. So whereas nowadays you can eat spuds all year round as if there's never a, a, a lack of them. You know, there was a seasonal way of eating for centuries that people don't have anymore, which I think is also part of the problem that if you can access this stuff all the time and have it grown around the world all the time, then you never really understand how your food is made. And I think the cycle of food is really important to know. Um, Well, I just want to say, Tia, it's been really, really lovely to talk to you and to find out about your business in particular and how that's making a difference to people. Can you tell us, though, how can we find out information about your company? Is it on Instagram and, and online? And whereabouts are you on the web? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram as ezTZ meals it'll be through my uh, handle that you see sort of going down underneath as well I've got a Facebook page for ezTZ meals uh, it's the green well, where am I? that one you can just about see it it was terrible lighting I apologize and obviously <laughs> okay, Southampton so based me a logo on so. your uh, on your hoodie I need to get a hoodie for DGF yeah. now I feel like you've outdone me you there. should okay I really should yeah, it's yeah, so I've comfortable I got a really I even had someone outfit, but not that you do <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you went for the important things first, obviously. Exactly. Got my priorities straight but, here. Uh, I'll go for the hoodie later. <laughs> but I even had someone in the shop today say to me, oh, easy teasy meals. Is that you then? I was like, yes, it is. So who knows? Who knows what like, Can I business tell you, you could accidentally attract? So, I, I was actually, I had something similar to that once. So bear in mind, I used to be at my kitchen table at home, you know, measuring out all the ingredients and whatnot and doing it completely without really customers there's you and a few others and that was about it but i just kept going because i just will not give up ever and i just kept on pushing on and i remember seeing a post once on inst on facebook sorry on a, on a low carb group and it's a really big one 
I can't remember which one it was now. Yeah. And this lady was moaning how in America they've got so many options and all we have in Britain is deliciously guilt-free. And they're kind of being a little bit, they're moaning about it. But I was so happy when I saw that because I was like, oh my God, I'm noticed as a thing. Like you're, <laughs> you're, you know me well enough to be frustrated that I'm literally the only one and that you know, my one. range is okay, but there should be more. I was like, that was so complimented. So to me in my head, we were just at home and nobody knew about us. But suddenly I was like, people know my company. Yeah. They're moaning about me. Yes, <laughs> I've made it. I, I'm becoming well known at last. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's weird, isn't it? Like just that even being yeah. infamous is better than being unknown in my opinion on that on that front anyway. Um, so yeah, it's really exciting. And, and I'm really that hoping that your company goes from strength to strength and that people uh, get the help that they need and you provide this really nutritious, healthy food for people because it's great what you're doing. And and I think, you know, there's so many ways the pandemic have changed people's lives and to yeah. know that there's really positive changes as well as, you know, there's been some sad occasions that have happened, but some really positive things that have happened is really heartening. So I'm really pleased for you, Tia. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Anywho, so I'm going to say yeah. goodbye to you now, but um, thank you for coming on UK Low Carb. And like I said to everyone, if you want to connect with Tia, she's at t.z. dot, which is t.z. dot, and then dot. Okay, so there's two dots, but one's a dot, one's dot. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it on the banner at the bottom. But if you're not, I imagine it must be quite hard to follow. So I will put that on the show notes to help you. Okay, right. Well, you take care, care you Kate, take care, Tia, and uh, have a lovely day. <laughs> Thank you very much. You too. We'll see you later. Hello, you still there? Dan here. I can see you're one of the keen ones because you're still listening. So, got a very simple request. Please go and rate and review this podcast now on Apple if you haven't done so already. And I'll read it out next week on the show. So go and do that. Hear about your review next week. Everyone's a winner. Right, I'm going to shoot off now. Take care. Have a lovely week. See you next Friday. Bye.